This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm Bob Cassidy. I'm here to talk to you about fitness today. (laughs) Funny thing happened to me Friday night when I was moving too much furniture. It'll be better. It's already better. It's going to be better tomorrow than it is today. It's better today than it was yesterday. Um... When you think about fitness and the elaborate system the human body is, it's incredible. The metaphor I got this week was the dashboard of my car. Uh, The extreme, uh, intricate fascination of just that system in our car alone is intriguing. now, it used to be there was just kind of an idiot light on, the, on your car when the oil was low or something. But it's so intricate now. Um, now, when the light about the battery shows up, I, I get that. Uh, but the wrench, just the wrench showing up on your dashboard can mean multiple things. Then there's this malfunction thing uh, of, a, of a lamp that is way above my pay grade. And so... About a month, I've had this little guy with uh, a ball uh, showing up on the dashboard of my car, and I know that's probably the airbag, and so I've been getting my manual out, checking the, the warning signals. And when you look at my manual, it's amazing how that they do this with such degrees, that there's the caution. And that just basically means, well, you better kind of have it checked out. Or there's the warning, which means that you better pull over or you could really be doing damage to the car. Or the danger one is you better pull over or you're going to die. You know, that's basically what the manual says. And so as I'm thinking through this, I'm thinking about us, human beings. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God wired us with warning signals to get our attention. What if uh, we stopped when we did that and we read the owner's manual and we consulted specialists or people that could help us when things aren't just quite right? And most of all, if we stopped and paid attention to God. I think God really has wired us. I think God has created us uh, in our mind, our spirits, in our body, the way that we're wired, that if we are attentive enough, if we're sensitive enough, then uh, we're, going to, we're going to pay attention. The psalmist is right. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are amazingly a work of art, we human beings. As one pastor said recently, the arm, no robot arm can really do what the human arm can do. You think about our eyes, what an incredible camera that God has given us that rolls, that focuses, that lightens, that darkens. And the whole human system, you know, what What machine can do everything we do, whether it's walk on difficult terrain or climb rocks or swim or run or bike? And the whole amazing nervous system, the the computer system, the 
that could reprogram itself. It's incredible. Don't we want to take care of it? Don't we want to let it heal itself? Don't we recognize this amazing life that God has given us and how we can live it for his glory? I uh, am blessed with many gifts around here. It's amazing how baseball gifts just fall from heaven into my arms and hands. And I came this morning and there's baseballs in my chair. And it's a baseball from the 1994 World Series. Do you know who won the World Series in 1994? Anybody want to guess? <laughs> no, Bobby. It wasn't the Braves either. Nobody won. Because that was a year it was on strike. There was no World Series that year. And here's the baseball, official ball of the 1994 World Series in my hand. What a waste. What a waste of a baseball. What a waste of our lives. If we don't give our body, our mind, our spirit, and our relationships completely to God. Let's not waste it. And so it's in that spirit that I want to talk to you today about healthy, healthy, wholeness of a life that we're called to live. And I invite you to pull out the insert that's in your bulletin. And we're going to look and think about your life as our personal instrument panel. And we got four parts, body, mind, spirit, and relationships. And you can, you, can, you can look at that and divide that up in different ways. But in each of these different parts, and we talk through this, I'm gonna look at some scripture with you from uh, the owner's manual from the Bible. <clears throat> There's a lot more scripture we could look at today. But as I do this, I'm gonna talk about some of the warning signals that's been showing up on the dashboard of my psychic and my spirit and how that I take action or how I feel like God is calling me to do something. I just wanna invite you to be thinking about what it is that God may be saying to you today. What's the warning signal that's on the dashboard of the way that God has wired you and what is the action that you need to take? So when you think about the human body, I love this scripture from 1 Corinthians where Paul says these words. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Wow, we're not just made the image of God. We're not gifted with this intricate, amazing human body, but we have the Holy Spirit when we invite him into our life. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, God, Spirit. Why would we not want to take care of this body? And yet, you know, we know we struggle. We know our culture struggles. We know some of us overeat. Overeating is a real problem in our culture today. We also know that the other contrast of that is uh, anorexia. 
that some people think that you've got to have the perfect human body, that you've got to, uh, and so probably when you put those two things together, we have about a third of our population that struggles with obesity, not always brought on by diet, but mostly, or this, this crazy notion that we have to be thin or look good in a, in a way that's just not even being humane to us at times. What is up with that? Not to talk about the indulgence that we can do with uh, alcohol or substance abuse of some sort. And so, what is our motivation for taking care of ourselves? If it isn't the reality, man, life is a gift. And we have God's spirit that lives inside of us. And so, we need to pay attention, don't we, to the warning signals in our bodies. That, that something's shutting down or something's hurting. Um, I had a twinge in my back Friday night when I was moving furniture. I should have known better. I kept going. And so um, I didn't pay attention to what my body was saying to me. A couple years ago, I had a physical, I have an annual physical every year. It would make sense, annual physical every year. And um, <clears throat> the last couple of annual physicals, the indicator in the blood work is that I'm pre-pre-diabetic. What does that mean? That I'm on the bubble of becoming a diabetic, and that is not what I want to experience, if at all possible. And so I've been motivated, and particularly I got the numbers last July, and I said, you know, it's time for me to do something about this. And so I started going to the gym, and uh, also just the bone density is starting to uh, in your 60-some-year-old model, it reduces. Trust me on that. And so, but the gym has helped to build my bone density. It's helped to, re, to uh, reduce my spare tire, it, which helps my back pain usually, which gives me more physical stamina. All these things play into this. And I'm so grateful for the warning signal of blood work in an annual physical that said you got to pay attention to this. I'm looking forward to my physical coming up. I think that number is going to go down. Um, what do you do? What are you doing and paying attention to what your body is wanting to tell you? You may want to jot something down in your warning signal. Um, there's something else that's very huge, and we know this, but we often ignore it, or at least I did, is diet. We are eating so much junk in our culture. Um, whether it's overindulging in a big burger or just eating all the preservatives that are in the food that we buy. And so Susan and I have been eating much healthier. She's on a more stringent diet than I am, but I found that just less salt, less sugar, and less flour is huge. The three white poisons that we can OD on so easily in our diet. Sometimes you can do all the right things and still get cancer. I understand that. But there is a propensity of heart disease and cancer and other ailments that is so high in a culture that doesn't 
know how to take care of ourselves and doesn't know when to stop and rest. That's the other thing I want to talk about in terms of the body. Getting your sleep. I've always struggled getting my sleep. I've always had trouble getting to sleep. Uh, and I've found that there are certain things I can do, though, that helps. A dark room. Going to bed at a regular time at night. And probably one of the most important things I do now is not look at an electronic device an hour before I want to go to sleep. Our minds are wired. We're programmed to look at iPhones, iPads, screens of any kind. And we are telling our mind not to rest, not to shut down. It's huge. So if you like to read at night, I want to read a paper version, not my, not my iPad version of something that I'm reading. And to be able to listen to scripture by audio or soft music. You know, you've you got to figure it out. But folks, we all need at least six hours of sleep. Average-wise, most of us need eight hours of sleep. And there's nothing more restorative, nothing more important. I don't think there's anything more spiritual than taking care of our body and giving it the restorative renewal and sleep that God says we need to have. And while we're on the topic of rhythms, Sabbath day. One day a week in our crazy busy lives. It's hard sometimes to find it. But a Sabbath day is a day where you are doing something that restores you, whatever it is, or doing nothing at all. If you can find it, if you can't find it, help, help people in your life to help you find it. But our bodies are going to tell us when we don't. And our minds become tired. Agnes Sanford was a great prayer for healing in people's life. But there was one time she refused to ever pray for somebody. It's when they had the cold. She said when someone had a cold, it was God's way of slowing us down. I think there's a lot of wisdom to that. If we don't take care of our bodies, we pay our bodies now, or we pay our bodies later. We have different degrees of health. We have different degrees of genetics. And friends, the, the younger you are, oh, how much I just hope and trust and pray that you will take advantage of the stamina and the health that you have so that you do not have an old body before your time. Think about mental for a moment, our minds. I love these words of the Apostle Paul when he writes in Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. I don't think Paul here is just saying, oh, have a good positive mental attitude. I think Paul is talking about, man, give yourself, 
your mind, your heart, your spirit on the things that are wholesome and good and right and pure and lovely, praiseworthy. You know, Jesus spoke to this too when he said in the Sermon on the Mount, whatever you put into your lamp, your eye, if your eye, if the lamp of your soul is full of light, you're going to be full of light. But if your eye is dark, what's coming into your life is darkness. Your, your soul, your spirit is going to be dark. I know there's a lot of debate about, you know, do violent computer games have an effect on someone or um, how much is too much in terms of things that we watch and see. I can't help personally but think that there's a correlation between what I watch or what I take in on a steady diet in terms of violence or vulgarity or certainly sensuality and what comes out of me. Can't help but think there's not a correlation there. And for myself, you know, I don't I don't struggle with vulgarity or watch a lot of violence or pornography. But mental fatigue is is the is what shows up on the dashboard of my car. And I know I'm mentally tired when I just lose the sense of sharpness that I, that I have or the focus, or uh, I lose a sense of interest or vitality. I'm not able to pay attention to other people as well. And so mental fatigue is something that, that I want to conscientiously address and pay attention to. And one of the things I do to counteract that is to take 30 minutes a day at least and read something that's very substantive something that's challenging, something that's life-giving. Most days I read more than that. And I know that we are not living in a culture that values reading. Well, get an audio book or something, but take something in. But to read something of substance, real transformative, real stuff, it, if I can at least do that 30 minutes on my busiest day, it's incredible how much better I function throughout the day. And in terms of your mental capacity, think about how do you recharge yourself? Balcony time is something that's, that's really significant. Balcony time is that time where you, you, you sit up on the balcony and you're removed from the daily grind. And it may be just a few hours a week or maybe uh, like this past week, I got to go away 24 hours with a friend, with prayer, great conversation, walking in the woods, balcony time. It just clears the mind and spirit and the heart. That's, and I become more creative when, when I'm able to do that and counteracts the mental fatigue. What's the warning signal for you on the dashboard of your mind? Is there something on there that you want to pay attention to? And what's the action that you can take that uh, proactively addresses that? Where you love God and you love life with your mind. Spirit 
Spirit's related to mind, isn't it? Think of spirit, you think of your spiritual condition, your emotions. It's all interwoven though, isn't it? The physiological, the emotional, the spiritual, the mental, it's, it's all interwoven. You can't address one aspect and not get healthier in all aspects. And so it is with our spirit. But the way I'm using spirit today really focuses on the spiritual dimension of knowing the glory of God. I want to read some scripture with you from John 17. And these are the words of Jesus, the priestly prayer that he prays right before he dies for us, just before he's arrested. And in that long, beautiful 17th chapter of John, he prays so many amazing things. But this is what he prays for us. My prayer is not just for them alone, that is the original apostles or disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I just love this. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. If we could just leave those words up there a moment. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Robert Mulholland talks about what what does the word glory really mean? And in the Greek, he points out that the word glory has to do with the likeness and the characteristics of God. And the amazing thing is that Jesus is praying to the Father. And he's praying that the same glory that the Father gave Jesus, they want to share with us. We get to step into the the likeness and the character of who God is. We are sons and daughters of God. And we can be transformed from one degree of glory to the next, to the next, to the next. Where our lives can be full of the glory of God. And so all of us who've fallen short of the glory of God can become transformed and become fully filled with the glory of God. And so... In the spiritual life, when I'm not creative or when I'm feeling weighed down or burdened, when I'm taking myself too seriously, when I can't laugh, I know that I need a dose. I need a new outpouring of the glory of God in my life. There's nothing else substitutes for it. There's nothing else that you can have that compares with it. And it's ours if we can be receptive. Just learn to be receptive to the reality of who God is. So how healthy are you these days in your spirit? Is it heavy? Is it weighed down? Is it anxious? We can fight those things on our own efforts. It doesn't work. Or we can just open ourselves up to the Spirit of God. 
Relationships is that final part of us that I want to talk about with you. And I love these words of the Apostle Paul we're going to look at. These are not inspiring words. These are not the words that we typically read to feel good about ourselves. These are the words of the old apostle at the end of his life. And he's writing these words to young Timothy, someone that he's mentored in the faith. And he's so gut honest about what's really going on in his life. Look very carefully with me, if you would, with what Paul is saying as he buries his soul. Do your best to come to me quickly for Demas because he loved this world, has deserted me, and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in, in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. If you were to use one word that describes what's going on in Paul's mind, what would it be? Depression, dis despair, a sense of isolation. Here's the old guy that's been serving Jesus for over 30 years. And he deserves better than this. He's not just having a bad day. It's a tough, difficult season. And it's the end of his life, and he feels deserted by friends and companions. Some of those people, they went on to do the other ministry. He understands that. But one guy just took off and left him, and he's only got Luke to take care of him, and he's in his prison, and he doesn't even have his books, his parchments, so he can read and study. He, he doesn't have a cloak in wintertime. He's cold. And more than anything, he feels so much hurt because the people that he used to have in his life aren't there. And I love how gut honest he is about it. In saying to Timothy, I need your help. I'm not doing so good right now. Sure, the Lord is with me and he's strengthening me, but you know, maybe you know somebody like that in your life that it's just not fair, but that's, that's what they're going through. Maybe you are in those situations and you know, I love the fact that Paul, strong Paul, is able to say, Timothy, buddy, need your help. So let's use Paul's example for us as we look on the other side of our insert, when we look at those four questions or statements of how are you doing in your relationships? It's good to take inventory of the relationships in our lives. So I want to invite you to do this exercise. You could begin doing it now or later today. I found this very helpful to me personally. 
List all your key relationships, names, and the role that you play in each. Father, mother, brother, sister, boss, colleague, student, friend. So you, you're creating the list of names, the significant relationships in your life. Do you have enough relationships? Do you have too many relationships that fall in that category? Secondly, put a qualitative number, uh, one being unhealthy, five being healthy next to each relationship. So do a measurement of just how am I doing with that person? Are things complicated? Are, are we not doing so well? Do I need to pay attention to that? And thirdly, you can place a plus sign next to the roles that are most life-giving for you, a negative sign next to the roles that are most life-draining. And place a star next to the roles that for whatever reason, requires special attention at this time. Sometimes, you know, in life, in marriage, whatever, there's, there's times where I'm going to give more than I receive. I got that. Sometimes I'm going to receive more than I can give. Uh, that, that's the beauty of a good marriage, a relationship. But I need to take inventory that sometimes because maybe there's so many negatives right now, no wonder I'm emotionally and physically and spiritually drained. To pay attention to that, to know what I need to do then to refill the tank, and maybe to say no. So reflect on your current emotional health and how that's affecting the quality of your relationships. If you feel led to say no to others in order to tend to your own needs, approach us humbly and willingly. It's hard sometimes to say, you know what, right now, I can't do this, or right now, I could really use your help. I was in the gym yesterday when my back went out, and I couldn't walk hardly, and so I, this stranger walked by, and I said, hey, guy, uh, do you mind helping me here a little bit? <laughs> I could really use your help, and so he did. Um, we all are in those situations. And you know what? In relationships, you're giving people that you care about a real gift. If you can just verbalize, I'm not okay about this. I know you can't necessarily fix it, but, or, or, yeah, I could really use your help right now. So how are we doing in relationships? Well, the dashboard of my car still has that little funny creature on it with a ball on his lap. And I know that it's telling me I've got to get it to the shop. I've got to get it taken care of. I've also got a few things on the dashboard of my body, my mind, my spirit, my relationships that I need to pay attention to. So how about you? Uh, what, what is it that God is wanting to show you right now? What do you need to pay attention to? And what are the actions you need to take to be fit? I'm going to give you a few minutes of prayer just to reflect on that, just silent prayer. And feel free to jot down some thoughts as God speaks to your heart.